If you um, if you've been with us the past few weeks, uh, we've been going through this series called Abide, and um, you want to scooch near me, Teresa? I'll help you out. And um, one week we we uh, kind of camp out in some verses, and the next week we have a conversation together uh, with someone from our church, kind of a, in the sense of a testimony, uh, where you've been, where you've come. And uh, so last week, we talked about John 15, verses 9 through 10. And we got to this point where we're talking about this love that Jesus gives to us. And he says, abide in that kind of love. And really, what we're getting to, kind of last week, we talked about how, for me, it was hard to separate love from trust and forgiveness. So today, um, bravely, Teresa Wynn has decided to say, I'm going to share my story to see if it can help other people. So welcome, Teresa. Are you on? Thank you. I'm very much on. Okay, excellent. Very good. All right. Uh, so, Teresa, can I get us started? Uh, why don't you tell us about your background, uh, you know, different people, influences in your life that you kind of uh, come to know through your faith and stuff. Okay. So, one of the things that Jimmy was, me and Jimmy was speaking about, he didn't realize I was a military brat. My dad was in the Marines for 20 years, and that meant we was very portable because if the service wanted you to have a family, they would have issued you one. So we moved from coast to coast all the time. Um, wherever base we was at, whatever the joy bus was taking us to, which means that somebody else had already scoped it out and there was donuts and orange juice and coffee being served, we were there. And so we did that for probably the first 12 years of my life. And then, um, let's say we got stationed in Memphis, well, in Millington, because that's the base outside of Memphis. And we got stationed there and things started to happen. So my grandmother, my mom's mom, was killed in a tragic car incident. Um, but my dad's mom was already ill with cancer. So she, my mom's mom passed. Six months later, my dad's mom passed. And then six, about six months after that, my mom's dad passed. And my mom and dad already had not a very strong marriage and so that kind of broke them. You know, a lot of death, a lot of stuff going on. So it kind of broke them. Ooh, make sure I talk this way, not that way. <laughs> so um, what happened was my mom, that was my mom and my dad's hometown was Memphis. That's where they met, that's why they, where they fell in love, and that's where they got married. Um, so we soon transitioned to my grandmother's house once she passed, and we was living there, and my mom introduced us to her church the church that her, her great aunt was taking her to, the church where she went as a kid, the church where she was baptized, and the church where she got married. So there was, it was a, a sense of family because people knew her from these events, and so that kind of gave the fa extra family strength for me. Um, one lady in particular was my not Sunday school teacher, but she was over the youth minister, over the youth ministry, and I would always, she would have sleepovers and stuff. And I'm like, I want to go to the sleepover. I want to hang out. And she's like, no, baby, you're not old enough. And so I was like, ugh. She said, you'll be old enough soon enough. Don't worry about it. Well, by the time I got old enough, she went to another church. So I was like, fine. <laughs> so I sort of lost her, but I also gained, um, the name of the church was South Parkway East. It still exists. It's still there in Memphis. Um, and Nathaniel Braden was the minister, and he had been the minister there, I think, since they opened the doors by the time I got there. 
and he had some some older daughters that was teaching the littles. They was teaching like the two and three year olds, and I was all excited about that because they get up there and they start flipping the pages, and they knew how to find Genesis and Exodus and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm like, whoo, these kids are like smart. But I knew where the knowledge was coming from. The teachers knew that they can be manipulated to the point that they could learn these things, and that was the best time. And so I've always never spent the whole day in my classroom because I was that child. <laughs> Not bad child, but really smart. So they was like, we need to send you somewhere. And that was normally going to another class to teach. Well, the same thing happened in church. They was like, yeah, you know too much. We need to send you somewhere else. And so I started going to these younger classes and being helpers. And then that's where I first started being a Sunday school teacher was at South Parkway East. And it's funny because she mentioned that I didn't know she was a military brat, but it's one of those things where how could you not know? If you've ever spent time with Teresa, she's fast friends. Mm -hmm. she, you know, she grabs a hold of you and takes you along wherever she's going. And that's kind of the adaptability. But from our conversation, it seemed like Memphis was kind of that place where it's like, okay, let's take a deep breath and we're going to settle in here. And so this church kind of came, became really the first place for you to settle in and take root spiritually. Because like you're saying, you're going on this bus and if they got juice and donuts, that's my faith. That's fantastic, <laughs> right? But Memphis, at the, let me get this right, South Parkway East Church of Christ, that was the place where you were able to take root yes. and kind of blossom into the Christian that you kind of grew into and are growing into today. So tell us about your calling to follow Jesus there in Memphis. So again, y'all know me. If I'm, if I'm faithful, I'm faithful. So I was showing up every day, even as a kid. And my mom had hurt her back. My mom um, injured her back the summer of my senior year. And so she would go if she could, and then she was a nurse, so that also sort of affected her schedule. Um, so one day I'm there, and they have a visiting preacher from Texas, and I was pricked. Like, all of a sudden, it was like, I need to go. I need to walk forward. And so again, I had this sort of extended family, and they're looking at me, and they're like, where are you going, baby? And I'm like, Never, never even turned back. I just walked straight up to the front, and I was baptized that day. It's just so funny because that's it's so typical because mom wasn't there, right? Mom was not there. And was mom happy when you got home? <laughs> um, my mom happiness. Let's see. I'm known to do things, and she's like, "You did what? Yeah. You did what?" <laughs> so she was her normal sort of shocked, but pleasantly shocked. Right. And she's like, "You could have waited for me." And I told her, "I said I really couldn't." Um, one of the songs that we used to sing um, all the time was, um, this could be the last time. This could be the last time, I don't know. So at that point, I knew I had to go forward. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait a week to see what happened, because anything can happen in that week. I was very mindful of that. So that's when I went ahead and was baptized. And you talk about this conviction. If you were here a couple weeks ago, it was really reminding me of the way Nancy talked about her conviction as well when she was at the home VBS and like she just felt the spirit and you in that moment were like I don't care if this is a visiting preacher I don't care if it's whoever I feel the spirit right now and I mm -hmm. have to respond and it was it was very powerful I was telling Jimmy I said at one other point had I been pricked that intensely and it was at my aunt's church and I asked her I said I got this overwhelming feeling I'm kind of crying I don't know what's going on and she was like that's the Holy Spirit you're being pricked and I was like I don't understand that, because this was after we had left the church, of course, um, at lunch. And so I was like, I just, I don't understand. And then as my faith grew and as I grew and matured, I was able to actually take that and apply it. Yeah, there's that kind of almost like a Samuel 
where it's like you hear God calling and you're not so sure at first, but then the second time it's like, oh, I know exactly what that is. So Exactly. That's pretty cool. I like the through line through these two testimonials where it's like the spirit is kind of coming uh, just to dwelling in you kind of all of a sudden and you've got to do something about it. And so kind of getting to the basis of the question that kind of shaped this whole to you saying yes. And again, kind of like Katie mentioned, when you said yes, you were really regretful immediately that you said yes. Um, so why don't you if, you, if you're willing to just share with us a time that forget, like this forgiveness that we've talked about, this abiding love, this forgiveness, tell us a, a time where you felt that forgiveness uh, from God. So I'm going to give you the long story or the short story of it all. Um, I was dating this guy on and off for a couple of years. And one day he got really sick. I mean, really sick. Like the doctors was like, call the family in. We don't know if he's going to make it kind of sick. And so we get there and we're praying over him. And then, every, you know, to our surprise and to the doctor's surprise, he actually lived. And when he came through, he was like, hey, I, you know, we need to talk. So I was like, well, let's wait till you get stronger and all that. So he gets stronger and he calls me and we had this conversation at, um, in person. And he's like, I've really been thinking about some things and I think we should get married. And I'm like, no, like we're on again, off again couple. We're not the couple that gets married. I love you. I mean, I have a lot of love for you, but I don't think that I'm in love with you to the point that, that we should get married. And it's kind of interesting because it becomes this argument between us. Like whenever we were together, we would argue about whether we should um, get married or not. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that because I know that marriage is of God and that, yep, there's something going on with my eye. Sorry, guys. That marriage is of God and I don't want to go against God knowing that I don't think this is a true relationship. And when I say that we would argue, you never seen people argue about love. Like, we was arguing about love. And it's like, why are we arguing about love? Well, I can tell you, apparently I rolled over, because then I was like, okay, I guess we're getting married. So we, we get married, and we're not married very long. Because I knew that when he asked me, I told him, I said, I feel like you got a life-altering situation that happened. And you got this checkbox. And you, with this checkbox, you're like, oh, one of the things I want to do is please God and marry. Well, we married. How about 18 months later, two years later? You know how to say you can see the spark go out of somebody's eye? I could literally see that he had no love for me in his eyes. When he looked at me, there was no spark. There was no Twitter. There was no any of those things that, would, that was there previously that convinced me that we should be getting married. So I was like, okay. What are we going to do? Well, everything sort of goes to a stall because at the same time, I'm having health issues. I'm having um, issues with cysts and fibroids, extreme pain, already got chronic back pain, and this is full-time. It's just wearing me out. Like when I'm asleep, I wake up crying. I wake up, I'm still crying because of the pain and stuff that I was in. And so we was going to doctors trying to schedule a procedure. And we had spent all weekend together. Monday morning, I get up, I go to work, and he calls me, and he says, hey, there's two events that my church is going to out of state, and I'm going to go to those. So you need to call, when the doctor calls, you need to schedule your procedure around these two dates that I'm going on vacation, essentially. And I was like, Lord, 
we done seen every counselor in the city of Memphis. Now, I tell you, every counselor, because I knew that God hates divorce. I knew that we shouldn't be there. But I also knew that he had convinced me to be there. And so I had to do everything with, I mean, I was fighting, guys. I was fighting so hard to save my marriage, fighting. When I say every counselor, anybody that would open their doors, including his minister and his wife, and we're at their house, and she's like, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. And I had to look at it dead in her face and say, I've done all that. I've done everything that you have already said, as well as these counselors. And so when he calls me and says, hey, you know, you need to schedule your appointment after I come off vacation? Yeah, yeah, that didn't go over well. And so I had already been talking to God because we had just bought a new house, we had bought two new cars, and we had outfitted this house. Like, we was completely furnished and ready to go. And now I got a deal because all this stuff is in my name. So now I'm, I'm having to deal with reality that I don't know what this is going to look like without him here. But, again, it was one of those things that I knew God hated divorce, but I also knew that God loved me. And one morning, one, that same night, I go to bed because he worked second shift, and I wake up in a cold sweat. And I mean, I'm terrified for my life. And I'm going, what, what just happened? So I sit up and I'm looking around and I could see him walking through the bedroom. And I was like, okay, God, this is what you want me to do. And so I went to the, um, to the living room and I told him, I said, so what is your exit plan? And he's like, I can leave now. Well, that was easier than I thought, okay. So he leaves and he gives me the keys and everything because I asked him, I said, well, if you leave and I need the keys and I need a garage door opener and when are you going to come back and get your stuff? And he came back and got his stuff that week and then somebody told him later that week after he had did all these activities that that was abandonment and that he had no rights to the house. So he would show up at the house and I called the police and he started showing up with the police. I became that people on the, on the street that had a lot of drama, but they was like, they're so quiet over there because we were. Um, I was trying to be sensible with it all. So we're going through the divorce and everything, and he's not being very nice. He's being very mean. He's making it last a very long time. And I, I just keep looking at God, and I'm like, God, what is this? What is going on? And he said, I told you to trust me. And I'm like, I trust you, God, but what's going on? Well, again, I told you I had all these bills, and I had no way of paying them. I go to work a couple of weeks later, and I get called, my whole department gets called in, and they say, hey, we've been doing a pay analysis across the city of Memphis for positions that's equal to the positions you guys are in, and we realize that we have not been paying you enough. And they immediately gave us an increase. That increase covered all my bills and all my concerns. So God had already told me, trust me. And you work for a government position, right? That's weird. <laughs> he Is says it, that for real. Like, that has never happened before in the government, and it never happened after. <laughs> it, it's, it's just it's so, God. yeah. And that, the thing that, like, we kind of kept going back to is that, like, you and, the, and this guy kind of got yourself, like, you were in this position where it's like, we're, we're doing these things and we're running around, and it's like, there's no analysis to saying, okay, stopping and saying, okay, God, where are we at? Exactly. I did a lot of time in prayer, and I kept thinking, I was like, I kept like, 
God was like, cut them loose. And I was like, no, God, I know I did this. This is human will. I know it's my human will. I know I got to pay for it because that's what we believe as Christians is that we got to pay for it and that we got to be in bad situations even though we don't have to be. And when I finally was like, okay, God, this is all you. I mean, abundantly, I was blessed. I was blessed in so many ways. And paying the bills was just one of them. And I was angry. I was angry because I felt like this third-party person had um, broken my relationship with God. Even though I knew I had a good relationship with God, even though I talked to God a lot and I could feel his presence, I still felt like there was a brokenness was the best way to describe it. And so I didn't think that I was worthy to be forgiven because mm. this was something that I had created, you know, so. And there's this level to which we discuss because you sit in the church and you look around and you say, oh, so-and-so is going through that. I could never be that person because they're messed up and I'm not. And then you look around and all of a sudden you're that person mm -hmm. going through the thing that you said would never happen to you. And then all of a sudden your world changes and then these thoughts of, well, I'm in this punitive relationship now with God where I have my hat in my hands. I'm saying, well, I know logically that you've forgiven me, but not all the way, right? Like, I, have, I still have to do this and this because, like, God, your forgiveness only goes so far. But, guys, the more that I read John 15 and the more that we talked about it, when you're that person, you realize the depth of the forgiveness on a clear, like, ultra 4K, you know, definition in your life and say, wow. Forgiveness is even for me. Yeah, um, even when I could feel the forgiveness in play, I still struggled with it mm -hmm. because I knew, again, that it was me that had caused all of this. But once I realized that God had forgiven me and it had nothing to do with anybody in the church because I was going to one of these super conservative churches and again, they didn't believe in divorce and here I was now a divorcee and they was like, well, y'all weren't equally yoked anyway, so why were you even there? And they were giving me this guilt treatment, and I'm like, I'm already feeling all my own guilt. I don't need any extra. And so that made me, it's, it's hard for you to forgive yourself when people are giving you this. And so it's like, okay, okay. And so we've, I finally divorced them. Like I said, it took me longer to divorce them than when we actually lived in the same house married. It was that long, that much issues. And he would call me. He'll call me for Christmas. He'll call me on my birthday. And he's like, happy birthday, babe. And I'm like, no. And so I started learning that if I mentioned the alimony that he owed me, because he was trying to get alimony out of me, but that's how God, again, blessed me was I didn't have to do that. I was like, I cannot do this. And so I was like, hey, where's my alimony? Where's my alimony? Hey, you got my alimony? But the last time he called, again, this pricking happened again. And I was like, okay, you want me to forgive him? I said, but, I said, I know. You forgave my debts, so I need to forgive his debts. It was hard, but it wasn't impossible. And to this day, I told him, the last time, I, the last time me and him really spoke, I told him, I said, I forgive you. I forgive you for all the things that you put me through while we was married. I forgive you for all the things you put me through while we were trying to be divorced. I forgive you for the things you said in the courtroom. I forgive you. And that makes it easier for me to walk around and be able to be at peace because I know that, again, God forgave me 
and I felt I was at my lowest, that I could forgive somebody else. And that's radical to like the transparency there is like, you've received forgiveness, you've forgiven yourself, but sometimes you kind of be like, that's good. I'm going to keep the rest. The forgiveness train stops there. Uh, yes. But like we talked last week, the only thing I think that really stops us from actualizing the depth of the forgiveness that Jesus gives us is by going through the framework ourselves and forgiving those people who are unforgivable, mm-hmm. right? The people who are causing us the most pain, even in those wilderness times, because you admit like during that time, you were kind of like, I guess, and then, and then all of a sudden you're tumbling down this, this place you never expected to be. You're fighting about even the fact that you love each other. And then you get to this place and you look around and you say, how did I get here? I know if I said, raise your hands, if you've ever been in a situation like that, everybody in this room would have their hand raised. But what's crazy is that those hands that are raised sometimes probably don't realize the depth of the forgiveness they've also received through those places. Yes, Lord. And submitting yourself and saying, I made a mistake, but thank God for your abiding love. But like this idea of, of this forgiveness, my question is, how does this overall sense of forgiveness change your perspective on life? It was interesting because I had several people that was going through their own storm, and the storms looked different. The storms was, you know, child out of wedlock. It was um, just different type of sins. And for some reason, God was funneling those people towards me. Mm. And I was able to share with them that even you are forgiven. Like right now, you think that your sin is worse than anybody else's sin. But your sin isn't worse than anybody else's sin. Your sin isn't worse than my sin. Some sins are visible that people can see. Like all of a sudden, your spouse starts coming and you stop wearing a ring. So then all of a sudden, you got that that's very visible compared to some of the eternalizing stuff that you do because you know you've sinned, even though your sin was more in the closet, mm-hmm. that, that sin is still a sin. And what do we do? First, you need to learn that God has already forgiven you because that's what he's done. He's done. He's a forgiving God. All you got to do is repent to him and let him know that I know I've sinned. I'm sorry that I sinned and I just need your forgiveness. And when he gives you that forgiveness, then you need to know the next step is that he loves you, that he don't stop loving you just because he forgave you. He forgave you because he loves you. He loved you first. And so now your testimony is probably speaking volumes of not only people in here, but those people who are saying, hey, my situation is one of those things that church people often don't want to talk about. Exactly. And I want to just encourage everybody who's listening here today that if you're feeling like, you know, there's this one thing in my life that's saying, I'm, it's preventing me from feeling this love of God, like, you got to start working through that. Because if you really believe that the word of God is truth, then you have to believe John 15, 9 and 10 as well. You have to believe it. And that love is abiding as long as you continue to follow. And the thing is, is that we're going to fall in short and we're going to make a lot of mistakes and we're going to look, look around and say, how did I even get to this place? But God says, guess what? I even love you still there. And that's a real love. I mean, just to be able to feel his grace and mercy and his forgiveness and know that it's not temporary, that his forgiveness is forever and always, that makes me a better and stronger Christian for it. I, one of the things that Jimmy had asked me, he was like, well, share as much or as little as you want to share. And I told him, I said, my story, my trials and tribulations, those are all the things that made Teresa. Mm-hmm. So I'm transparent with him. If you ask me a question, 
I'm prone to answer them. You might like, I only wanted the short story of that. She done gave me too much information. <laughs> but I believe that all of that is what makes me his child, that I am able to share. But even just thinking about like the life of Paul, where Paul, he has all these things that like in the context, they're not so bad, right? Actually, they're really bad. <laughs> He's persecuting Christians. He's going to other cities to persecute other Christians. And then when he has this revelatory experience with Jesus and he realizes, oh, I was far gone from where God actually wanted me to be. Now I want to live this way. It's not really that different, right? We want to lift up Paul on this pedestal. All these people, but like they're fallible people. You're looking at two fallible people. If you look around this room, there's nothing but fallible people who serve an infallible God. Amen. And so that forgiveness is, we can't even quantify it. The more, but the thing is, the more we have these kind of conversations with each other, the more it becomes reality in our lives. So is there anything else that you want to kind of leave us with, this idea of forgiveness? Or, I mean, we could probably sit here for another, I don't want to punish my wife with all the kids. Um, but is there anything else you kind of want to leave us with this morning? Um, one of the things that we have to practice as Christians is the truth that we all make mistakes, and we do. Um, some mistakes are bigger, some of my mistakes are bigger, some of them are smaller. Whatever it is, if we keep our face to Jesus and not turn it to the wall and say that I'm not worthy of you, you will live in that unworthy state. And I truly believe that we are all worthy. No matter who we come across or what's going on, we all are worthy of the love of Christ and the forgiveness of our sins. I mean, he speaks about it over and over in his book. And we just have to be focused on that and realize that that is our truth. And as long as we walk in our truth, that's all we can do because God doesn't want anything else from us but to be an example and to be a testimony for others that they know and hear and feel his love. Thank you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this time, and I really thank you for Teresa's story. I thank you for, well, I don't, I don't thank you for the hard, heartaches that she went through, but I'm thankful for her willingness to share those with us, to see those places where it's just darkness and the reality that there's light at the end of that and that she's experiencing that light more and more and she's growing more and more and she's recognizing and she, she's not walking around with her hat in her hand saying, God, I, I have this punitive relationship with you, but she's saying, God, I realize that you've forgiven me. Help me to realize that even more each day. And God, I pray the same prayer for all of us that whatever we're going through, whatever struggle we recognize is that when we come to you, you still say, I love you. You still say, I care for you. And you ultimately say, I have forgiven you. Now walk with me. And of course, we're going to stumble along the way. Of course, even after we ask for forgiveness, we're going to fall short time and time again. But even, even in those times, God is going to continue to say, I forgive you and I love you. Walk with me. God, we thank you for this truth. We thank you for that reality. Help us to live into that reality more in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't we thank Teresa, guys, for coming, coming on up. And I do want to still offer an invitation this morning like I have every Sunday um, during this time. It's a little bit different format, but we do want to invite you. If you have any needs, if you're saying, you know what, there's this one thing in my life that I guarantee you God won't forgive me about, that's a lie. It's a complete lie. And if you're believing in that lie, we want to invite you to come forward and, and, and ask for prayers, but you don't have to come forward this morning. I just ask you to talk to somebody today. Won't you come while we please uh, stand and sing?